Hello listeners, welcome to Super Bailey Bros in Movie Land, Season 2, Episode 49, nearly Episode 100 overall, and hi Phil. Yeah, what are you doing? Normally it's, hey hey Phil, and I say, hey Laurie, and then we start the show. I just wanted to throw out to the listeners right there. Well, man. you're throwing me out. Like, Ooh, <laughs> that's zing, what zing, you're zing. Doing. Hey, listeners, we've got Wonder, starring Julia Roberts and Owen Wilson for you, alongside The Man Who Invented Christmas, which has Dan Stevens off of... Is that uh, Jesus? Downton Abbey. The man Is he Jesus? Cr- what? Well, no, <laughs> The Man Who Invented Christmas. It's Jesus, right? Now, we'll, we'll come to this later, because there's a good reason why they call it that. Uh, it's based on a book, actually. Not by Les Ferdinand. What, the Bible? No. <laughs> <laughs> come on, you know, it's, setting, it's setting him up. You, 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 you trampled all over the other joke I was trying oh, to sorry. do now, so we'll have to come back to that later. And you're not, you haven't been seeing any new releases, Phil. Don't say it like that. No, it's, but yeah, I'm giving you the chance to explain I, how great a reason you've got. Listeners, I'm so sorry. Wedding admin has taken over my life briefly in a very joyous way, but I haven't been able to see a, a, a new feature this week. But I have seen films, so I've got films to talk about. Good, 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 good. Are you going to tell us what they are or not? Uh, I'm going to do something about The Mask of Zorro. <laughs> enough said. Up to the enough minute. said. Enough modern said. Classics yeah, modern classic. Yeah, modern classic. And then I'm also going to be talking about Nativity! Exclamation mark, which is some people, it's a bit of a sleeper hit for Christmas movies. It's Martin Freeman plays a teacher who's putting on a nativity. Mm, intriguing. We've got your emails and tweets towards the end of the show. Thank you very much for getting in touch with us, guys and girls. Sorry, I keep my. I go out and Goodbye run out of steam there because girls. every time I hear myself saying thanks so much for getting in touch, I hate it. <laughs> And I hate myself a little bit more <laughs> every time. Uh, but thank you for that. So Listeners, for that. if you'd like to get in touch with the show, you can reach us at superbaileybros at gmail.com or you can tweet us at superbaileybros. Big or small, we love them all. Do send in your messages. Correct. That's right. And patreon.com slash superbaileybros is where you can go to find out how to support our show. And I think we're going to update the rewards on that, aren't we? I mean, that page is out of date by like a year, practically. Correct. Uh, yeah, I think we're going to try and do something a bit more interesting. T-shirts, Maybe. Maybe, but then if we're changing, uh, yeah, yeah, oh, we're gonna do something. We're gonna do something good. Uh, but you can still do that, like as a rec- anyway. Look, let's yeah, yeah, just, yeah, yeah. Let's discuss that offline. Let's take that one offline. Okay, yeah, <laughs> put a pin in it. But that's it, isn't it? Are we ready to go? I think so. Yeah, that's not the slickest uh, segue we've ever had. I feel cheerful though, so maybe it'll come across well. <laughs> yeah, just smile through it. <laughs> Big um, smiles. Do you want a thought for the episode? Yes, hit us with a thought. How great is it? when you lie down on a sofa or lie down in bed and it's cold at first and then heats up how great is that feeling uh yeah i I mean that's a very vague sentence to say what's vague about it i just said how great a few times but you haven't said how cold sometimes it's too cold sometimes it's too hot No, but it doesn't matter how cold it is it's i'm talking about the moment at which you succeed in heating it up the twilight moment the yeah. sort of uh, and you know you feel you're calm and cold. cool and cozy and nice and heated because it, I did this on my sofa the other day just by lying a couple of cushions over the top of my head <laughs> I was technically hiding from my daughter who was telling me the gruffalo was around so I had to hide that oh yeah yeah and you were just like this is magic. snoozing yeah. <laughs> it was a nice moment you have to take them when you can get them trust me if you're a dad uh, and like suddenly it became a nice little heat zone and I was thinking <laughs> it's not just the achievement that you know my own body heat has heated up these cushions and this place and made it a cozy fantastic den it also felt like i'd restored equilibrium to nature 
and that me and the sofa <laughs> were kind of enjoying some kind of symbiosis because you know while while it t- took energy for me to heat up that area i was being rewarded uh for doing that job you know because the duvet's cold and you come out it's okay duvet i'm gonna lend you some of my heat and now i in turn am benefiting <laughs> from your heat what so a wonderful a picture of the circle of life <laughs> the circle of life or energy or whatever you call it so there do, you, you do you do the the running man sometimes when you get into a bed the running man and uh it's 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 a bit like what you're talking about the magic sort of duvet combination the bed when you've been waiting for the bed for a long time you get in it's really cold and you get in and it's just sort of on the cusp of being warm like you were talking about yeah. I always find myself doing kind of a running man with my what, feet like, a dog in a like dream. I'm jogging because I'm just enjoying the feeling of the duvet <laughs> so much it's like oh I'm in bed it's really nice I don't think I do do that normally I just wrap up super tight like, uh, uh, we used to share a room Laurie, oh, you like, know this don't you you, yeah. you go full burrito <laughs> burrito yeah. you'd be like a little it. cocoon yeah, with your it. head poking out reading a book that yeah, was always correct. how you did it yeah still to this day although it's harder to do the cocoon when someone else your poor wife yeah what's she got she's got a separate cocoon or there's a little area in the middle that I sort of close off um, so there's a little <laughs> duvet zone in between it's fine you know I, <laughs> this is all going wrong now anyway listeners that's the thought for the episode let's get cracking and I wonder if you know what it means find your that's a Kanye West song the thing is when you do these singing uh, sessions Phil on the podcast something I know you take you, there's quite a lot of pauses and you, dramatic so, the music in my head oh, I'm in time with dramatic or um, awkward <laughs> you should fill in the gaps sometimes but like, then I'm, I'm waiting for the right beats and everything like that because I want people who know the song but I don't know what the song is otherwise I'd fill in for what you, I would it. do now then is maybe see if you could find a little clip and put it in well but, that would be a PRS nightmare wouldn't it so <laughs> I don't oh, see that I'm just, I'm just wasted on this podcast sometimes I think all my musical talents I, I don't think our listeners would feel that way so thank <laughs> you so fine. much for giving us an intro Phil listeners Wanda is a film starring Owen Wilson and Julia Roberts and also Jacob Tremblay who was the kid in Room alongside Brie Larson have you seen that film yet? no I haven't seen <laughs> no, it it's because Julia saw it for us and reviewed it for us that was a long time ago now uh, but yeah apparently Jacob Tremblay was fantastic in that he's making waves as a young actor and obviously Owen Wilson Julia Roberts established stars and it's based on a book by R.J. Palacio I believe called Wonder as well best-selling um, novel i believe uh yeah an acclaimed novel of some sort i think it won a prize or whatever rj palacio in turn based it on a song called wonder by an artist i can't remember and it's like this really cheesy 90s track with electric guitars but it's obviously pop and that song wonder is based it's a slightly strange narrative story about parents looking over a hospital bed and talking about a child who's got a rare genetic condition and the reason that rj palacio was inspired by that song was because then bear this one in mind, Phil, trying to remember this. She, with her daughter, was in a cafe and she saw a family come in and that family had a young girl with facial deformities and because RJ Palacio was nervous about how her own daughter would react, she left the cafe because she didn't want to cause a scene. Interesting. And that then she heard this song about parents looking over a, a child with a genetic condition and then she wrote this film. And this is a film in which Jacob Tremblay plays Augie, a young boy born with severe facial deformities Uh, who's had lots of corrective plastic surgery and been homeschooled for most of his life because of those surgeries and because maybe it was awkward for him going through that process as a young kid and not wanting to be made fun of, whatever else it was. So he spends a lot of time wearing a big astronaut helmet so you can't see his face. But he's growing up, so it's time for him to go to, in quotes, normal school. And suddenly, 
interact with the big wide world with all its problems and they're worried about how he's going to perform at school he, they're worried about how he's going to handle friends they're worried about the kids and whether they're going to be nice to him all that sort of stuff and you'll hear all this in the trailers listener but don't you think that's a bit weird that rj palacio saw someone else who uh, whose child had facial deformities and then she ran, like ran away from that situation because she was worried how her own child would react and then she's gone on to write a story about someone with facial deformities and how they, you know, have a positive impact on all the people around them. Tell me your instant reaction to that fact. Uh, honestly, the thing which is going in my head is, well, Batman was afraid of bats, but then he became the bat so that he could become fear. Goodness me. Is that an actual quote? <laughs> no. That it's makes just, even it's... less sense. Than... <laughs> no, but that, that's, that's what he does. He's, he's scared of the bats, so he becomes bats so that he can fight fear with he uses fear to fight other people mm, I, well the thing is listeners for me this did not make me kindly disposed towards this film because i just thought that sounds like someone who was slightly ashamed and trying to wash their guilt yeah <laughs> no i do get that sense oh, no, i do but, get that it's sense kind of and with pity as well and i just i really don't like the place that this story has come from and i feel like do i need to lay it out there right now you not think that it's somebody who's noticed there's an awkward part of themselves and so they're addressing that and they're putting themselves, they're empathising and it's so the whole process is empathising and therefore understanding why they reacted that way, what that then means for that person. And that's the entry point is the outsider's perspective looking in because it's, it's almost impossible to imagine what it'd be like to be somebody with uh, a very obvious deformity on, like you can't hide your face, really, yeah. can you? And so for most people, they don't have that. So how on earth are they going to access that? And then you've got somebody who is responding to that in real life, who's then taking those feelings and putting it into a story, which makes it relatable. Well, I mean, that's a very fair point. And listeners, I kind of, before we actually do the review of the film, I'm interested to know your thoughts on that. Thank, thank you, Phil, for providing such a good alternative perspective. I admit it's something about it didn't sit very well with me. But that, yeah, maybe it's entirely justified. Obviously, it hasn't caused the book sales any problem. It's been adapted into a huge film. So RJ Palacio has had a great time, thanks to that experience. Anyway, look, let's, let's do the actual film, shall we? Here is the trailer, listeners, where everything I've said is going to be explained much better. My name is Augie Pullman. Next week, I start fifth grade. And since I've never been to real school before, I'm pretty much totally petrified. I'll see you later. Augie, you don't want to walk up with your parents because it's not cool. But you're cool. I know I am, but technically most dads aren't. Neither are these helmets. Dear God, please make them be nice to him. I know I'm not an ordinary 10-year-old kid. I've had 27 surgeries. They've helped me to breathe, to see, to hear without a hearing aid, but none of them have made me look ordinary. Incubator, bunch of murders. Oh, and this is an eraser. You know what an eraser is, right? Look at his face. I've never seen anything that ugly in my life. If I looked like him, I'd swear. I'd put a hood over my face. I know you don't always like it, but I love it. It's my son's face. You are not ugly, Augie. Because you're my mom. Because I'm your mom, it counts the most. Because I know you the most. Hi. You don't have to do this. I don't know what you're talking about, Augie. You don't have to pretend is all I'm saying. Augie! Okay, I'm really sorry. Why are you sitting here then? Because I want some nice friends for a change. Me too. Who is it that I aspire to be? That is the question that we should be asking ourselves all the time. Hey, Jack. Come sit here. In a sec. Like to be able to control the weather. That would be your superpower? That sounds pretty lame. What would you do? I'd be invisible. You're the toughest kid in that school. Show them. You can't blend in when you were born to stand out. Never thought about having plastic surgery. 
Dude, this is after plastic surgery. It takes a lot of work to look this good. There we go. And I think the music really clues you in to how they're going to play this film. Now, I should say that everything I said just then, I didn't actually know that going into the film. I generally try and stay clear of details before I watch the film. Um, but it's something I found out afterwards. So when I saw it, everything I'm going to say now is not influenced by that, but it has sort of uh, intense Coloured your yeah. <laughs> yeah, experience. So here's the thing, listeners. I think performances are just about as good as they could be with such, 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 such a rubbish script. In I think it way? is made up of quotes that they are desperate to appear on posters, meaningless platitudes, and people who don't act like people. I think it is manipulative and patronising to everybody, and it is so transparently trying to gra- grab a hold of the goodness inside people people who really like and the thing is there really is goodness in, in people isn't there people want to see adversity and come through it stronger people want to be inspired by pe- the people around them people want to see people being courageous and determined and to learn lessons from them and this film sees all those targets and like races out for them with hands outstretched and it's the minute the fingers touch it they let go do you know what i mean they, they think that's job done that and yeah. It's so shallow and transparent. It almost irritated me. But then the cinema I was in loved it. They loved every single moment of it. I I want to show you the way this film works, Phil. So what happens is uh, three kids show him around. This classic, you know, the the teachers select three kids who they think will be nice and good examples of students. So that Augie comes to have a look around. His mum chats to the head teacher, who's played by Mandy Patinkin. Uh, I'm Inigo Montoya. Uh, You could kill my father. father. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know the thing. And he's the most friendly teddy bearish headmaster you've ever seen, right? Of course, he's not tough and professional the way that all actual head teachers are. He's friendly, cuddly bear, lovely guy. And <laughs> with a big old beard. And, yeah, exactly, with a lovely big old beard. They send Oggy with these three good kids and they get a tour of the school. Everything seems to be going okay. And then they go to the science lab. And Julian, who you just know knows how to act in front of adults, but is actually a bit mean uh, on the other side with all the kids and, you know, the alpha male who takes the mick out of everybody. He goes into the science lab and there are a few red flags in this scene. Almost the first thing he says is, well, you probably won't do well in here because science is really tough and you've got to be really clever to (laughs) to be good at this. As in, check off gun anybody? Do you know what's going to come next? Uh, I think you can tell. And then they, he holds up an eraser, and you heard it in the clip, and, and says to Augie, do you know what an eraser is? Which is a really dumb question. And the mm. girl says, of course he knows what an eraser is. And then, of course, the next question that this boy asks, he says, well, I didn't know, did I? He's obviously been at home. And then he says, by the way, what's wrong with your face? Now, Phil, you, I want you to say what you would write in response to that. What are some uh, ways you could do that scene? I think probably what you do is either go lean into it or lean away from it. So either okay. you say nothing, what's wrong with your face or something like that. What, and have a zinger back? Yeah, a little bit. Or just sort of like, what are you talking about? My face is fine. Or yeah. you have here the kid being like, I've got this blah, 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 blah. Like and go into up. the super medical like reasons why his face is that way. I think those are the two classic versions, the two branches of what you could do. In a screen In yeah, a screenplay, okay. yeah. Interesting. So this film, what happens is you stay silent. And the other kids are like, that's so mean. You can't ask him that and all that sort of stuff. And he stays silent for a long time. And the other two kids, are, obviously, everyone's feeling a bit awkward about it. But Julian, the bully Julian, isn't backing off, right? He says, no, seriously, what's up with it? Uh, and <laughs> what Augie does as he, is he says this, supposedly. And Julian's like, what? And he said, earlier you said uh, supposedly. And actually, it's not supposedly. It's supposedly with a D, not a B. And then he also smacks him down with some extra science knowledge because it turns out Augie's a science whiz. Oh, you didn't see that coming, Julian, did you? One-two punch, <laughs> down. 
And I just thought, what is this? That I did, isn't that, do you think that's anything wrong with that man or is this just me? It's just a bit, obviously, it's, it's just, just not very lame. good. It's yeah. a bit rubbish and also it's nasty. Like, what is that? Am I supposed to sympathise with Oggy? Because he took, immediately took the mech out of a guy for saying supposedly. Like, at this point, Julian hasn't even done anything actually mean. He has asked the question that kids probably do ask. What's up with your face? Because yeah. they haven't quite learned how to filter stuff properly. And I just, like like you said, you lean into it and say, oh, no, there's nothing wrong with my face. What's wrong with your face? That's funny. At least that's funny, but still good-natured and displaying something good. Or you can say, well, actually, this is what happened. Honest, still honest and good. In this film, it's considered a good characteristic to slam someone else into the ground for being dumb. You're going <laughs> to laugh at my face, I'm going to laugh at your life. Like, that's what's going on here. You know what I'm saying. Wow, you turn it that way. Am I going way too high. <laughs> I don't know. I've, I've enjoyed it. There's it's something about it that really just didn't work with me. And I was already kind of a bit nervous about what the film was going to do. And kind of from there, it just snowballs downhill at a terrifying rate. I think Owen Wilson and Julia Roberts are good. Julia Roberts nearly saves the film single-handed, as does Owen Wilson. Really? There's one particular scene. Yeah, well, so Oggy begins to make friends, inevitably, because he does have a good sense of humour. And he is amazing at science. And he just can't help eventually getting people to like him. So one day he's leaving school with a kid called Jack. And uh, they walk out of school together and Julia Roberts is seeing this, like, what's happening here? And Oggy says, hey, mom, is it okay if Jack comes over tonight? And she can't even speak. She just, like, does a couple of blinks and a big smile. Yeah. And then Oggy, they just keep walking off and she says, okay, don't cry. And I just thought, like, that was that was brilliant. And she nailed it. There's a good scene that you heard in the trailer there where Oggy is in tears saying, oh, am I really ugly? And she's saying, no, you're not. And that's quite well done. It's because she acts it well, not particularly written well. And there's another scene. There was the only scene that nearly brought a tear to my eye where Owen Wilson uh, is telling Oggy why he shouldn't wear his helmet. And he essentially says because I love this face. It's my son's face and I want to see it. And that was, oh man. That got to you because you're a Way dad. Way to go, dad. <laughs> yeah. Like, but, but, and they you're nearly... so predictable about certain things, man. <laughs> so I'm sorry. I am sorry about that. But everything else is terrible. You would hate the structure, man. Like there's these uh, black screen, white text just cuts out of nowhere, just suddenly in the film with the name of a different character. And for a while, oh. we follow that character because oh. the whole point is Augie impacts everybody's life. One of them is his sister, Via. And it turns out that as much as he loves her brother because there's so much attention on him she feels she's a bit neglected in the shadows right and actually she's having problems with her best friend who suddenly seems to want nothing to do with her oh hold on black screen white text let's have a look at that friend and how her life's getting on black screen white text let's look at someone else the problem is the film it doesn't, doesn't really actually, deal with any of them no and it doesn't actually work instead it just feels cluttered and confused because the only person that you really spend any quality time with is oggy and he's getting short shrift because we're looking for five minutes at this other random character it's just like in terms of filmmaking I think it's just poor and there's nothing interesting in the direction whatsoever Stephen Spossky as well and this is annoying he directed Perks Being a Wallflower did he oh that's really annoying isn't it annoying that's really annoying because that film was really really good I really like that film a lot and it was directed quite well because it had almost a grainy indie vibe about it right whereas this doesn't this is blockbuster stuff and it doesn't it's just there's nothing interesting there that's a real shame I can see this sort of idea working very well in a pitch in a very well on paper and then the actual reality being just frustrating. What I'm curious about is what about this the Oggy Oggy's character is it Oggy? Yeah, Oggy. August. Oggy. August. Okay. Yeah. 
is he is he flawed does he have a bit of an arc to his, his uh story do they give him a bit of a dark side in in uh, the film or yes is he completely no. just a lovely influence on everyone there are parts of the film where it looks like he might be about to lose our sympathy in a compelling way because that's what real people are like well but that's the thing you need to show you need to show people as real people not just sort of this weird no 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 superhuman or Steer's something clear, like that. Steer's clear, completely clear. That's yeah. really disappointing because I think these sort of films only work if you actually address the real hardship of it well, all. So the thing that I couldn't resist drawing uh, parallels with is the film Mask. Have you heard of that? No, I haven't, no. Rocky Dennis, real guy with lionitis, and lionitis is, is the re- same sort of condition. Similar, the it's, bones of the face, they're yeah. like calcium deposits, and so they're obviously like quite a, a you know, distinctive face. And But that's a real story about a real guy, and so they have all kinds of really interesting nuances with his relationships and life story, and I kind of think that's just, that's the way to do it. This is fictional, and you can tell it's fictional because it's just... It's almost like a fable then. Ugh, yeah. People will tell me I've got a heart of stone for this kind of thing, but I just you need to see through through it. I think to its intentions, which I don't think are all that noble. You know, if they really wanted to make a film in which Augie's courage and determination shone through and inspired people, which incidentally is what the headmaster says in his rousing speech at the end in his very teddy bear-y way. Is that not a spoiler? No, come on. Are you kidding? No! What do you what do you expect from this film? And that's where Julia Roberts turns around to him and says, "Augie, you are a wonder." You're a wonder. Worst line of the year. Terrible. <laughs> uh, you knew that. That's bad. That is bad. That's yeah. a bad one. Who uh, wrote the script? Well, I would imagine a lot of the lines are from R.J. Palacio's novel. And you can write things in novels you can't get away with on uh, mm. on the screen. I, I haven't actually got the screenwriter in front of me, Phil. So sorry about that. Um, and what this what this r- film really does have is an overabundance of a certain kind of smile that I loathe in every film, unless it's really powerfully used once. It's the smile that basically says, "You'll teach me to be a better person." Smile. Can you picture that one? Like ev- sort of every single character. Shake does. their head while they're smiling. They're like, kind of like, <laughs> you're so great. You're, <laughs> you're unbelievable. So great. Oh, you, you continue to so... amaze me. Oh, life is just, well, how about that? I hated it. How do you do it? How do uh, you do it? Yeah. So I just, listeners, if you can't tell, I thought this was shallow, manipulative, disposable rubbish that has somehow attracted a big budget and a big cast who managed to lift it beyond terrible um just by sheer talent you know something mediocre then i've not even really touched on it i'll come back to the mediocre thing but a lot of controversy has come up because this is jacob tremblay wearing a lot of prosthetic makeup uh, to look the way that he does and some people are saying well this film's whole message is like the courage and determination of someone who's who has to deal with that but they didn't bother actually hiring someone with that condition because they could just do it in a hollywood way instead so do you know what i mean and this is where i come back to the book itself which is kind of written on the shallowest of premises. She just imagined what a wonder like this girl was and how positive all the impact she had is on everything around. I just, like there's everything about it. Oh, you can, I need to stop talking. Then I? I can you tell. You do. Give you me a grain. Let's get out. Talking, get out. Larry. Abort. It's just a C from me. Yeah, I don't think it has much to redeem itself. Sorry. I don't know why, but the fact that you mentioned Julia Roberts is good in the film makes me curious. I, I think she does everything she can with the script. What do you think of the tagline that's gone with the movie? What's it? Choose kind. Oh, yeah. Well, that's a quote from, I think, the headmaster, this cuddly teddy bear man, who says something like, if you're given the choice between choosing what's right and what's kind, choose kind. Maybe I dispute that. Yeah, maybe I dispute that. If it's actually right, (laughs) then it's right, isn't it? (laughs) That means if you're choosing an answer that is not right, what's that, Phil? 
wrong. Yeah, so way to go, shallow philosophical statement of the year 2017. Oh, it's dumb. I, I told you to stop. Guys, run it, <laughs> run. provoking me. Also, this film has a dog with a name in it, and uh, and that as always spells problems. The dog, dog with a name? What do you mean? As in the dog's a character in the film, so, you know, guess, guess what kind of uh, scenes that dog's involved in. Don't know. Let's move on. Now, listeners, we've already seen, Phil and I just watched the trailer that we're about to introduce here, because we're going to talk about The Mask of Zorro, and it's instantly reminded me uh how when i watched this film at a certain age i desperately wanted uh not to be a skinny white man i wanted to be <laughs> swar- you know, olive skinned and swarthy, uh, yeah muscular sort of hero with a bit of hip action and ready I, I, to dance I, do you remember i remember our mum once telling us that we may have like portuguese ancestry somewhere in our line <laughs> and that's why we maybe have like a some waist and broad shoulders oh I, yeah okay I certainly don't have broad shoulders but <laughs> from that point on i kind of felt i felt i had like a connection <laughs> <laughs> That's the most ridiculous thing no, ever. No, but just kind of with that sort also, of. Also, nothing about Zorro is Portuguese. So what are you no, talking about? No, I know that. No, no. But the Portuguese thing is more just kind of uh, kind of Mediterranean thing. I feel like Mexico is kind of on at least the same one of the latitudes or longitudes. There's a bit of overlap with Spanish and all that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. I know it's not the same culture. I mean, this is all terrible, isn't it? I don't know what I'm talking about. Hopefully, someone out there sympathises with the idiocy that I've just expressed. But what I mean, it was, what, it was what fantastic <laughs> intro to the mask when, when of Zorro. I was Zorro. only about 14 or something. So forgive me. <laughs> Just stop. Oh, the Mask of Sorrow. <laughs> Take over, please. Let's play the trailer. There is a saying, a very old saying. When the pupil is ready, the master will appear. In a land where freedom is a memory. I came here to learn how to fight like you. To have your strength, your courage. Zorro was a servant of the people. He did what was needed. Now he's needed again. And justice is outlawed. Must the man will be my brother. Kill him! The just must become outlaws. You know how to use that thing? Yes. The pointy end goes into the other man. This is going to take a lot of work. One, five, three. If you want to kill this man, I can help you and I can teach you how to move, how to think, how to take your revenge with honor. How can I do what is needed when all I feel is hate? You hide it. With this. Be careful, senorita. There are dangerous men about. Forgive me, father, for I have sinned. It has been three days since my last confession. Go on. I have broken the fourth commandment, padre. You killed somebody? No, that is not the fourth commandment. Of course not. I had impure thoughts about a man. Last four? Yes, last one. No bad? The only thing would be to deny what your heart truly feels. No bad at all. Now, between the woman who rules his heart... Don't pretend she means nothing to you. But she does. ...and the enemy who claims his soul... I would murder a hundred innocent men if it meant killing you. ...lies the battle. Montero has some plans for California. The time has come to claim what always should have been ours. ...for the destiny of a nation. Tomorrow we fight in earnest. We will both tempt our fates. It's only one man. It isn't just one man, damn it. It's sorrow. This summer... ...justice leaves its mark. You know Zorro, he could be... ...anywhere. <laughs> you miss me? <laughs> there we go another 90s golden trailer 
And listeners, I feel like I might have talked about this on what we've been watching. And I always feel that about 90% of the films I end up talking about because I feel like I've already talked about it in little pieces. So forgive me if I've already gone into depth. But let me tell you, this is such an underrated film. I cannot believe it. It is so well put together. I kind of, I find myself thinking, why is this not notice more why do people not talk about it how fun it is how classic it is it's got a great cast a really strong cast it's got a lot of fun it's got a lot of hope it's got great action there's so much in this film and i just feel like people don't know about it <laughs> it's should... like this undiscovered gem that i've unlocked <laughs> you feel that way i should say this this isn't strictly a what we've been watching this is more a sort of feature almost because you're talking about something that is undiscovered and you this is just picture perfect can't, <laughs> You can't understand why it doesn't have the appreciation you think it deserves. I just feel when you look at the individual elements of the film, it all just adds up to a massive tick. Like, yes, good film. Check it out. Watch it. Enjoy it. I want to recommend to you listeners with the highest possible regard to check it out and enjoy the fun. Enjoy the fun of Zorro. I admit, I mean, watching the trailer, it did bring back a lot of memories. And you're right. I think when I watched it as a young whippersnapper, I thought this is the sort of film that would gonna, was going to be a, a massive classic. It's directed by Martin Campbell, who you uh, correctly identify, Phil, as the guy who brought us Goldeneye and Casino Royale. He's managed to launch James Bond twice. That's ridiculous. How's he done that? He's, so, a, he's a talented guy. He knows how to put together a film. Clearly he does. And this film, I feel like, is really well well put together from a story point of view and also just in direction it feels classic it feels like each scene is building you to the next part the widening of the world it all just works and the characters are so engaging you've got a very clear villain and hero there haven't you yeah but which are really well established so that you really hate them and you're really rooting for your heroes even though they're coming from very different points you've got anthony hopkins who plays the classic zorro here the man who uh, saw to the dons leaving leaving california so that he could give it back to the people all that sort of stuff but lo and behold he's discovered to be this masked vigilante and he is cast out his daughter is taken away from him his wife gets killed in the process and he's sent to jail for many many years cut to antonio banderas who's part of this uh, criminal gang and he's one of these uh, brothers who've got a reward out for them in the process of one of their most recent heists the army comes and kills one his brother one of the uh, key people kills his brother and he watches his brothers die and he's distraught yeah, and he man. goes off and becomes a drunkard all of that is just intro stuff all of that's just intro and it's like the perfect <laughs> setup because then you have antonio banderas and anthony hopkins reunited to fight a common cause because not only is the man who is responsible for his wife's death back in uh, california and wanting to do something duplicitous his second in command is the person who killed Antonio Banderas's brother Uh-oh. and you've got the fact that Catherine Zeta-Jones is the grown-up daughter of Anthony Hopkins she's absolutely been... in her prime in this film yeah she is she is fiery and powerful and strong exactly what you want from a, a lady so she's not just eye candy or set dressing she is a character in her own right man we've spoken at length about Catherine Zeta-Jones in her heyday buckets of charisma she like she's an unbelievable Hollywood star it's, it's, it's weird and a shame that we don't see more of her now weird that she came from Wales like I it's just kind of strange isn't it <laughs> she's on no like offense to welsh people she, yeah. yeah exactly it just doesn't happen you think about her in entrapment where she's awesome in that as well but yeah sorry carry on but basically listeners that's kind of my main point is i feel like this film is so well set up you've got a bit of training as anti hopkin mentors antonio banderas to make him into the legend of zora again to rise him from the ashes and take on this uh, evil uh, corporate anti-capitalist thing all the while, with all these plot points going on, it's so much fun. Antonio Banderas is on full charisma. 
in a way that is he's almost like a raging bull who storms into things in a stupid way and Anthony Hopkins is there to sort of rein him back in and say be a bit smarter well it's boy. the classic master student that you want isn't it the passion and the drive and the talent but not the discipline Phil indeed and, and it, it just all interplays really nicely and the setting is so unique I think for most action films California but it's before California is part of America it's still got that Spanish influence and so it just means that it's a completely different sort of film for most of the, the the films of this period. I don't think I can't think of another film which has this sort of vibe to it at all. No, I know exactly what you're saying, Phil. I think you, we are probably clouded somewhat by nostalgia here because it certainly recalls the uh, sort of melodramatic action spectaculars of the 90s that were the bread and butter. I mean, just like we're talking about Pierce Brosnan and James Bond, right? that those years of James Bond are ludicrous. Like when you watch them now, they hold up really well because they're, they're sort of lavish in a way that was not possible in the 2000s, especially when the financial crisis hit, right? Mm. And CGI started taking over more, that kind of thing. So I think we are definitely getting a sense of like the childlike wonder of going to see a blockbuster, right? You never know. It may well be, Phil, that the 14 and 15-year-olds of today's age are just excited about Avengers Infinity War. I mean, I have seen that trailer and it does look... I, I did get a little bit of a... Oh, that well, looks, looks interesting. Average. Yeah, yeah. No, no it looks interesting. Yeah, I really average. To, You're right. Yeah, it looked like it. there was no distinguishing oh, feature. Oh, pish You're posh, right. pish posh. That's right. I'm glad we're on the same wavelength here. I bet DC is looking at that and saying, that's what we need to make the Justice League. They're saying, dodge a bit there. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, back to the Mask of Sorrow. I just feel like if you haven't seen this film, I'm really recommending it to you. And I want you to... I lay down the gauntlet to watch it and not have a good time, basically. That's a fair call, man. I mean, there's and, some slightly troubling, out- outdated scenes in there. There is a slightly awkward scene <laughs> with Antonio Banderas being a little bit unfair to Catherine Zeta-Jones. He's been quite forward. Yes, let's put it that way. And I do realise that out of context, in the current context, is not not appropriate at all. But back in the 90s, it was all fun. And, uh, it yes. seemed that way, certainly. Yes. yes, indeed. But I'm saying to you listeners, check it out. Give it a watch. It's so good. It's normally on television. It pops up occasionally well, and I always get distracted. Because I actually would put that kind of film high on my list of Christmas potential movies because Ooh. it's all about the feeling that it evokes. And we've you know talked about this sort of thing ad nauseum, haven't we, Phil? But Christmas movies don't necessarily need to be about Christmas so much as to give you some kind of sense of transcendence and escapism. And Zorro is all about that, isn't it? It's feel-goodery to the max. Feel-goodery to the max. Listeners, Terrible get sentence. in touch, superbailybros at gmail.com. <laughs> what are you asking them to watch Zorro and tell you if they hate it? Yeah, I laying down the gauntlet, so bring on your minus ones. Laurie's in the clear. I'm, I'm saying, no, I love it. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to take any plus ones. I'm just saying, if you don't like it, get in touch. And if you love it, great. I want to hear from you, but I'm not going to take plus ones. This so is just. I'm, I'm happy being there with you, man, because I would agree with you. It's an underrated gem, in my opinion, too. Also, there's some killer action scenes, like really, really good action scenes of sword fighting and swashbuckling. When uh, Zorro infiltrates one of the casas, I think it's Don Don Leaf, whatever, his Casa de Hombre or something. I'm getting lost in the the, the culture. Um, But he goes in and he has to fight all the guards. It's a fantastic scene, absolutely classic. And it's the sort of action that I feel is sorely missing from quite a lot of films these days. There we go. Uh, So really check it out. And just imagine if uh, action scenes were done like that these days. It'd be so good. Some people will say that they are, Phil. So get ready to hear it from our listeners. I'm laying down the gauntlet. Get in touch. Let me know. The Mask of Zorro. Nice. You don't like the title for this film, Phil. 
Ah, uh, well, I made it very clear that I think it's a bit bizarre because what has Charles Dickens got to do with inventing Christmas? Well, little do you know, Phil, that before A Christmas Carol was published, 6,000 editions bought immediately. They had to do immediate reprints, hugely successful immediately. Christmas was a very little appreciated holiday in the United Kingdom. And literally, thanks to the publishing of this book, it reinvigorated the holiday, and now it is the commercial enormous smash that it is. Really? I did there not know There you go. That. Have a slice of humble pie. How does it taste? Mmm, delicious. <laughs> Good. That's a very humble attitude, you feel. <laughs> well, it's humble pie. I felt the same way as you. When they made that claim uh, in, uh, in the film and in the press notes and things, I thought, really? But it turns out there is some truth to it. Yeah, Christmas was not that well observed, but this uh, book had a huge impact uh, on the hearts and minds of people that lasted for generations. They say that charitable giving, for example, massively increased after the publishing of this book. What a legacy to leave the world, don't you think? Interesting. I've read this book for school. I wasn't a massive fan of the book. Yeah. And I'm not a massive fan of Charles Dickens' writing. Are you not, really? I've slogged my way through a couple of his, and I don't think I've ever enjoyed any of them. I like the ideas he has. I don't like the way he writes them. Do you not really? Because no. I've often thought myself, Charles Dickens is one of those few older writers who once you sort of get used to the rhythm of reading him is very, very readable and not boring. He doesn't tend to fill pages with useless details. Which is funny though, because he got paid for the word. And so well, he did when he serials. was writing his yeah. serials, he literally would fill it with as many words as he could. Which is amazing because actually that's why I think it's so remarkable that it doesn't just read like sort of bam fluff stuff. Mm, it's just it's great. Well, agree to disagree. <laughs> when he starts describing all the pork pies in a, in a larder, I feel like... Mm, I don't ah, care. We're in disagreement on this Anyway, one. I get the sense that this film is a bit like Shakespeare in Love, but the Dickens version. Well, I'm so glad you say that because it's going to head off a lot of wrong expectations at the past. So thank you, Phil. No, this film is nothing like Shakespeare in Love. This film is based on a book by Les Standiford, who I haven't heard of before, and he's an author. I said on the radio, Les Ferdinand, even though I knew it wasn't Les Ferdinand. I knew it was Standiford. It felt like saying Ferdinand. It, it just happened that way. It was so annoying. Uh, classic, stupid. Written by Les Standiford. Uh, and it's a sort of biography, fictionalised or dramatised biography of Charles Dickens as he came to write the book. And this sees Charles Dickens as someone who's been a big success with stuff like Oliver Twist and I think the Curiosity Shop, the old Curiosity Shop. Mm-hmm. So he went on a massive tour of America and met loads of Americans did speeches they all loved him but I don't think he liked them that much or maybe didn't understand them that well and then he came back to England but the books that he wrote while he was out there and since haven't sold as well and so he's you know on his uppers a little bit he needs to get some money in and he's also got the pressures of family life his wife and kids in the house and an expensive home to redecorate and look after also his own father has arrived back uh, to come and see him he played by Jonathan Price in this film and his father he's got really mixed feelings about kind of so he doesn't like his father well so it turns out that his father went to debtors prison when Charles Dickens was only 11 and at age 11 Charles Dickens went to work in a boot blacking factory and he put labels on bottles of shoe polish basically for years and so he was one of those little guys working in a factory a little kid worker so he really understood what it was like to be there and when he sees his father he that kind of comes all back to him as well as Jonathan Price is the perfect person to play him because he's such a horrible man (laughs) do you not like Jonathan Price? I've never liked Jonathan Price he does a very good job in this film I was quite impressed by him and in the midst of all this so he must write a book because he's got a cover the debts and re-establish his reputation all that sort of stuff but it's very difficult to come up with an idea more than that his publishers don't seem to like it so when it comes to it he's going to have to put his own money into publishing this book dan stevens plays him uh, that's the guy off of downton abbey let's have the trailer god bless 
us, everyone. So he's had a couple of flops. Well, who hasn't? You have a new book in mind? Oh, of course he does. My lamp's gone out. I've run out of ideas. Are we in trouble? No, of course not. I have told you not to disturb me when I am working. On Christmas Eve, the spirits pour into the night. Who here, Mr. Diggins? Pickpockets, streetwalkers, humbug. Those people don't belong in books. Charles! I'm back! I'm back! About a miser, and on Christmas Eve, he meets some kind of supernatural guides. Does it have a title? Humbug, a miser's lament. Christmas ghost story, Christmas song, Christmas ballad, something like that. Get the name right, and the character will appear. Scratch, Scrounger. Come on, Scrooge. Shut the window. You think I'm made of money? Mr. Scrooge, how delightful to meet you, sir. Sorry, I can't say the same. You and I are going to do wonderful things together. How do you make a world come alive? I can almost see and hear them people. Even if you'd already written it, we couldn't possibly get it printed and distributed in only six weeks. If I can't finish it, I'll never write again. The characters won't do what I want. I'm the author here. Allegedly. A jolly ghost. What's that mean? <laughs> In the season of hope, we will shut out nothing and everyone will be welcome. I have to get to the princess by nine o'clock. But you still don't have an ending. Merry, merry Christmas to one and all. Merry Christmas! That's enough. Back to work. God bless us, everyone. I literally hung my head in embarrassment after that first line for that trailer. Oh, it's Tiny Tim, of course. Yeah, oh. well, it should warm the heart a little bit. It's, the only reason you're doing that is because it's so famous, which just proves how powerful it oh. is. <laughs> uh, well, listeners, I think this is an interesting film. It plays out differently than you expect. You said, is it Shakespeare in love? But the Dickens version, no, it isn't. It's much more, it's kind of like a docudrama, but with a weirdly edgy, colourful twist to it. So, Dan Stevens plays Charles Dickens with a sort of manic energy that really swings right from the highs of artistic inspiration and joy in what he does and in his family and everything else to the real lows of writer's block, but also depression and misery and trying to deal with his who he is and uh, and his father and everything else. And he, he manages to do that quite well. I was really quite impressed by his performance because he's on screen for pretty much 100% of the time. So the film literally hangs off him and, and I think he nails it. And, the, the only thing is he hits a tone that isn't sometimes isn't matched by the rest of the film, but we can come on to that in a bit. The well, way in terms of it's not as good or, or uh, superior? Well, did you hear me say well, we'll come on to that in a bit? Or, uh, well, just I'm the said, one or... who's listening to you and I want to hear about that. Oh, do you want me to cut in? All right, fine. That, it's the direction, I think, was kind of wrong. So there's a lot of handheld camera here and there's a lot of close-up and it makes extensive use of shadows. But at the same time, the score by Michael Danner, who did the music for The Life of Pi and Moneyball, uh, is 
very kind of vivacious and classic Christmassy. And I and given the way that Dan Stevens plays things, the nature of the story, the music, it really should have been shot more storybook like. It should be it's the kind of film that would really benefit from a more traditional directional approach. So you, you have static stuff from odd angles, like to you know, low angles, for example, that emphasize the superiority and dominance of things, uh, or shoot it like a classic film because exactly. it's about a classic person. And you get a lot of mist and and because it's just so set up that way. So I really don't understand uh, why the director who's called Barat Naluri and he directed something called Miss Pettigrew Has a Day Out or whatever it is. Um, and it just was wrong to me. I don't know why he shot it that way. It made it feel a lot more TV movie-ish and it gave an unnecessary edge to lots of things. So yeah, I don't think it really suited Dan Stevens' performance or anything else. Happy, Phil? Yes, thank you. Oh, you're very welcome. Now, what were you we go going back. to say? Because the, the thing is, the, what I'm going to say next adds on to that as well. The way that Charles Dickens writes the book is that his characters come to life, you know, in his head uh, appear in his house and talk to him and the way that he comes up with the story and their characters is through those conversations and in particular Christopher Plummer plays Ebenezer Scrooge really well as a miserable old man but in a different not in a kind of uh, child catchery like sort of sneery way more in a kind of just very gruff and closed off kind of way so that you can imagine what he it would look like for him up. exactly for him to open up again and it had he had some really genuinely witty lines in there like there's a scene where Scrooge says well to be honest you're not really allowing my side of the story to be seen properly so I've taken the liberty of writing a short speech that I could give uh, about the rationality of free markets and banking procedures and I, I love that <laughs> don't you love that that's good that's just so creative and I I really that made my heart fill with joy literally just to see how much fun there was to be had with the whole composition of the film but as I said the direction slightly lets it down because it really could have used something a bit more picturesque a bit more story but like a bit more Steven Spielberg even let's say mm. or Christopher Columbus I think you know is underrated he really knows how to do that similarly London just does not look right I don't know what they thought they were doing there have been so many films that capture the Victorian London really brilliantly so it's so foggy and misty and creepy so many Charles Dickens adaptations even the TV show Dickensian managed it better than this film does it reminded me of one of those old world recreation things that you go to at like York Castle <laughs> yeah where you walk and you're like wow I really feel like I'm here but you don't actually <laughs> and this is like a feature film you're, you're was... <laughs> shattering some listeners feelings I'm sure who love those sort of things no no I love them too but not in a film like a film should be different than that like it's just they got it really and the lighting was really odd like there were shades of light that so looked like they're from a museum or uh, like you know that they just didn't I don't know what they thought they were doing so I thought I wish they hadn't messed up some of the key parts of this film because it could be really brilliant as it stands it's an enjoyable sort of roller coastery story about an amazing novel and it's got highs and lows I wept sort of at you know the, the point where Charles Dickens and Scrooge and Charles Dickens' dad showed their generosity of spirit and all that sort of stuff because of course Scrooge slightly mirrors Dickens blah 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 yeah, you get yeah, the picture yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, how can you not respond to the tale when it finally comes about? And it's a testament to the film's quality that I was reminded again of the power of the original story in a fresh way. So there you go. Have I said enough? I think you have, yeah. What's the great... You look quite bored of this review, to be honest. No, I've been thinking about um, the title and I think I've got a better one. Well, hit me with it. I think it should be called What the Dickens. (laughs) (laughs) That's got to be some terrible New York play, hasn't it, already? What the Dickens. What the Dickens. (laughs) Come on. That's a good idea. That's much better than The Man Who Invented Christmas. I think Mm. that's so wishy-washy and budget. What's it, Dickens? I think... (laughs) 
stop, stop, stop. 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 I, think that, I think that title will lead to box office failure. Uh, there's a possibility of that. I'm not sure because it manages to get the word Christmas in there. So we'll see what happens. We'll see. We're For me, the film listeners get to be. I enjoyed it more than I expected to. And I think Dan Stevens is great. Really? Even though he's rubbish as the beast? I think you've got it in for this guy. I think he's pretty good, Phil. Oh, it's just, I don't really get it. I don't really get how Downton has made all these stars when I think Downton is not... a huge success I America. know it's a huge success, but I don't think it was necessarily that straining on the actors. How hard is it to be posh? <laughs> wow! Listen to this snobbery coming from across just, the other I'm side. I'm just saying, I'm just studio. throwing that out there, but anyway. Well, there we are. Listen, if you go you, see... You the- sound, you're sounding a bit like a certain character from a certain... Humbug! Listeners, if you would like to give your feedback on Laurie's review, then you can send in your plus ones or your minus ones if you agree or disagree to superbaileybros at gmail.com or you can tweet us at superbaileybros. Let Laurie know if you go see that film or indeed wonder and maybe you can share your wonderment indeed. God bless us, everyone. (laughs) See, it's so easy, acting. (laughs) Listeners, we're going to be doing a little bit of what we've been watching, but it's a very small one, so we won't do the jingle. Maybe you have done the jingle, I don't know. I will have by this point. Oh, okay, you've done the jingle. Yeah, Yeah, I do, I've listened to it. People are asking us to sing it again. Oh, no. So this week, listeners, I have watched Nativity! Exclamation mark. Through to the next round. There's not a next round. Classroom assistant starting. Why is Mr. Madden such a lovely guy? Can we give you down over there, Hollywood are going to be coming to see our nativity play. We're going to hardly believe it. It's a lie. It's not true. The whole town is buzzing with the news. I made it up. I'm sensing a lot of anger. Follow your heart. I think you can see my boy down here. He's eye candy for the girls. He's 11 years old. Have you seen the looks he gets in the playground? All these girls are like... Live for the moment. Excited. And make all your dreams come true. Every one of these children is a little bucket of stardust. Yeah, yeah. Everybody make sure you've done a boo and a wee. Nativity. Now, Phil, I really don't know which way you're going to go on this because I was sort of raising my eyebrows and chuckling and sometimes rolling my eyes during that trailer to elicit a response, and you didn't give one. I was enjoying you watching the trailer, though, because you? you were tittering you away at certain me, moments and things like I that. See. Yeah, it was enjoyable. Uh, well, if you had to guess, which way would I go with this film? I think you liked it. Yeah. Interesting. Listeners, I watched this uh, slightly reluctantly, but because it is the Christmas season, I thought, I'll check it out. It's on streaming service. I believe it's on Amazon Prime right. if you want to watch it. Uh, it's made three three films now. They've done Nativity 1, 2, and 3. I remember Hey Dude, Where's My Donkey? Because I remember hearing that on a different review show before we were doing the podcast, and they played a sound clip of a kid saying, Hey Dude, Where's My Donkey? Hey Dude, Where Has It Gone? My wife is having a baby with no donkey to ride on. Ride on! And I really... It, 
stayed in my head to this very day. I can tell. It's so mystifying. (laughs) I can't get my head around, especially the way that it's sung. Anyway, carry on. Uh, listeners, I have I said I watched it reluctantly, and that is true because one of my friends. I worked in a school uh, for a while as a as a classroom assistant. Yeah, that's why I thought you'd like. And it, it's one of my you. friends it's about said, you, isn't it, Phil? Said that they thought I was Mr. Poppy. That's who they thought I was. Mm. And having now watched the film, I don't think that's necessarily the most flattering a thing. Bit to offended? Be, yeah, a little bit because he's a little bit of a simpleton, isn't he? Is he? I mean, mm. I the thing is, when I was watching the trailer, I thought that character. He's one of these guys who it's hard to believe exists. Like I've never seen that guy before is he an actor i don't know who he is <laughs> don't know well exactly he's just mr poppy he seems to be the creation <laughs> like he just seems to exist he's emerged from a mind. In the world do you know what i mean fully he, formed he's got this whole way of like doing stuff that you do, i don't i can't quite put my finger on it but there's something a bit odd about it right there's something a bit odd, odd about it but he is an engaging character it's undeniable he is pretty funny in the film he's yeah there are a couple of laughs i had right there him yeah. and martin freeman they make the duo who are putting together this nativity show which as you worked out from the trailer it's going to allegedly be filmed by Hollywood and uh, there's going to be big producers there it's going to make them all famous all the kids are going to become famous and of course it's a lie it's, it's a not true British sitcom lie mm, indeed I found this film annoyingly charming I think that's how I'd say it is I found myself laughing at things which are really low budget yeah and I slightly wonder is this what people felt when they watched Paddington oh well because when I saw it what I said to you is this is a film for parents man I can tell all the gags in here are easy laughs for parents who can just say oh yeah my kid's just like that or, <laughs> like that's the yeah I, can I don't know that. but for whatever reason I did make me laugh and I was almost annoyed that it made me laugh but I did find myself laughing. And having said that, though, I think this film is so shoddy. It's unbelievable. I've done a, a very, very short film course. I did a very, yeah, very short film course. you never allow me to see the film you made. No way am I showing you that. <laughs> why not? I will Because see it's it. dreadful. And I, the reason why I know it's <laughs> dreadful is because this film is dreadful and ours was worse than this. But in this film, the lighting is so bad. You can actually see the shadows that it's making <laughs> on the wall behind Martin Freeman. He's no having way. a yell at his headmaster uh, because he doesn't want to do the nativity. And you can literally see where the light's been placed and the casting shadow behind him that's been formed. That's his dreadful. His forehead is glistening with sweat from the heat of the lamp. I could just tell. It was so badly lit. And it was the budget must have been so thin on this film. And it must have been between... Uh, the the office and when Martin Freeman eventually did Sherlock. I, I think was it must say, have been two thousand and nine. I think this is is that can that be right? Uh, yeah, two thousand and nine. So yeah, the office was over, but he's still quite new into his feature career, isn't he? Indeed, and and I kind of think why on earth is Martin Freeman in this? But he is suitably grumpy and a little bit um, agog at uh, Mister Poppy and his enthusiasm. And it plays out very predictably, but I think I can kind of see why it's had sequels because it's just very warm hearted. It does the job. Yeah, it ticks those boxes. It's not challenging. It's not very unusual. But to the film's credit, it does cast kids who are just kids. You get the sense that they could almost have shot this at any sort of primary school and it would have worked fine because the kids are not movie stars. They are just kids being kids. Kids being kids. Yeah, which is always quite nice to see, isn't it? That's the thing, because you remember it yourself and, you know, you, or you've got nieces or nephews or sons or daughters or whatever, and there's something charming about identifying with everything that's going on, right? Yeah. Indeed, indeed. And so... It's very low-hanging fruit right there. It is very low-hanging fruit. It's like a home movie, basically. I know, yeah. And so I kind of like the film, and so I think I'm going to give it a B-. minus. I enjoyed it, and there you go. I've watched a Christmas movie. If you haven't seen Nativity, it's very... Very easy going. Put it on in the background while you're baking your. You've not Brussels convinced sprouts. me to watch it. I have to say. Well, 
Bar humbug to you. No, that was my line. I did the Scrooge thing, which you poured scorn all over. Well, bar humbug to you. (laughs) I'm in a loop. Keep repeating. That's fine. (laughs) It's email time. I really don't have one. Can you do one? No, come on, man. (laughs) (laughs) Emails. Very good stuff. What were you imagining right there? I was you look like, like you're shaking oh, I don't with rage. Do <laughs> oh, it's pretty accurate then. Yeah. Uh, listeners, we've got emails from you. Thank you for getting in touch. Oh, <laughs> every time I hear that phrase, getting in touch, <laughs> I've got to so find out another way touch. to say it. Uh, but before we jump straight in, we thought we'd chat to you a little bit about the hundredth show, which is coming out next week. And putting this right here at the beginning of the emails means, you know, it's the cool people, Phil. They're going to listen. The super cool people. Yeah, the people who get to this the point in the podcast. Fans. Exactly. Although a lot of them probably won't listen until after next week. So anyway, <laughs> but this is your last chance, listeners, to give us any suggestions for things that you would like us to cover and you know that particularly we like to look back over the last 50 episodes which basically covers a year a little bit more than a year in this case and maybe string together a few best of moments on a theme little fun stuff what do we do last year we had singing uh we had bloopers i think didn't we and a couple of things this year, Phil, I particularly think uh, we need to do Laurie versus Phil. So I've found a few Laurie versus Phil moments. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah, I think they're good. And and then I think also uh, our impressions uh, ought to be in there this time round. <laughs> our impressions are horrible. They are. But they're so bad. <laughs> we can't deny they're a big part of the show. Uh, so I'm going to have my triple uh, X guy in there, all that sort of stuff. What about when you didn't you do an impression of Tom Cruise's Scream? Oh, right. Didn't we? Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> <Don't> <laughs> <laughs> There's another one for you. <laughs> you go for that one in. That's great. I love that scribe. <laughs> and they just splice in the actual Off ones the so that people can prepare. Yeah, I'm quite want, proud of that. I think I, I that always want well. to say, listeners, if you want to have a go, send that in. If you could do a good version of that screen. It's off the trailer for The Mummy where they forgot to put the uh, the soundtrack. So you can <laughs> so just hear talk. It's the best scream in the world. <laughs> have you seen all the memes of people like putting it in instead of other people's like movie no? screams? That yeah, it's good. very funny. We're just rambling right now. But listeners, the point is you need to get your thoughts in. If there's something that you really want to here on that 100th show something that you can remember from uh, the last year's podcast let us know and you had something else as well Phil well I sort of wondered and I'm stealing this from other people who've done anniversary shows if you have any questions for us uh, and we feel that they're appropriate we're not going to ask uh, answer everything but um, <laughs> if you want to ask how we do anything on the Super Baby Bros or have any questions about stuff in, like what we love watching on TV how we pick for, I don't know whatever it might be any just questions general you, questions you want to general ask questions us, you know Q&A it's a little bit of an unofficial Q&A for the you know we've only got episode. one week left so there's we may not get any questions that's okay that's right. okay. okay we could do it afterwards we, you know I think, we've got Jonah, another hundred someone episodes someone got in touch there's an email, a new emailer was it Jonah I think it was uh, who wanted to know our favourite film and stuff and yeah, exactly. TV show that kind of thing we can do that yeah yeah exactly so if you've got that sort of question let us know and we'll try and try and answer those maybe as a little bit of a a reward yeah well I thought I, I might play all my jingles as well is that a bit yeah no do it that'd, that'd be fun because I thought especially sometimes I listen to the news jingle that I did and I'm you know, bopping my head around but no one ever gets <laughs> to hear it because <laughs> we're too busy <laughs> going oh my news so I thought I'd play that anyway look this is so self-indulgent thank you listeners for sending us stuff here we go so number one Number one. From the Khans. Hello, catching up with lots of things, they say. Dear Super Belly Bros, a few notes picking up various films and discussions. Hard to keep up and write in in time for your recording before the next episode. Film stars don't die in Liverpool had me hooked within 30 seconds. Apart from a slight sag two thirds in, it carried me along brilliantly, overflowing with poignancy, and both leads were spot on. Production design exactly matched the feel of the period. Music so well chosen, I believed it. Yeah. 
I completely agree. That echoes my thoughts on the film. I think it's pretty special. That plus one for you then? I believe so, yeah. And uh, tell me, um, Mr. or Mrs. Carr, whoever's writing this, whether you agree with me about how great and spontaneous that dancing scene seemed to be. It's one of my favourite dancing scenes ever in a film. Uh, just out of nowhere. Okay, he carries on. Six days, a blow-by-blow account of the Iranian embassy siege. Not very well directed and nearly spoiled by a poor representation of Kate Ady, but still a clear telling of an extraordinarily awful event. That's the one with Jamie Bell as well, so the double oh, really? bill of Jamie Bell there. Okay, one of the SAS guys, uh, who has since died, wrote, wrote a few pages about it in his book Baptism of Fire. He was one of those going down the back and was on the stairs when the hostages were being rushed out. The film captures it very well. Thank you, I haven't seen that, have you? No, I I, I kind of watched trailers for it, but it just didn't ever make its way onto Oxford Cinema, so there we go. Okay. I guess we just missed it. We'll keep an eye out and try and catch that when we can. Uh, Mystic Pizza, this is what you reviewed. Oh no, here we go. Uh, thanks for flagging this up. Foreshadows both Pretty Woman and Runaway Bride in its themes. Bit rough around the edges, but an endearing, gutsy performance from Julia Roberts. Not a great movie, but enjoyable. Oh no! <laughs> Well, it's enjoyable. enjoyable. I you thought, kind I of th- said that yourself. I liked you? it. I just think it was good. I enjoyed it. There we go. Uh, they've got some comments on The Force Awakens as well. They've actually got lots of things. I might have to save some of this for next week, but let's start with The Force Awakens because it's nearly Star Wars time, of course. Indeed. Seeing this again last week, we enjoyed it much more than uh, our recollection of seeing it the first time. We wondered whether it's a different thing altogether, learning the story of the film, than enjoying the story of the film. That means, in other words, watching it the first time or the second time. That could be true on any occasion, but even more so since we came to it without any sense of hype but with a better sense of how the story might unfold so we were able to take time to enjoy the characters the scale of the scenery and better appreciate the thoughts and turmoil of finn john Boyega's character on his moral journey of course the next question is to ask myself will i be able to consciously filter away the false high expectation brought on by the hype so that i can stand a better chance of enjoying episode nine what you mean is episode eight and i know what you're saying (laughs) yeah it's an interesting one i I don't know about you. I'm not that excited about episode uh, eight. No, the I'm last excited. Are you? Yeah, I can't deny it. I genuinely like the calendar. I'm really looking forward to seeing. I'm just like a bit like I just yeah, it'll be what it is. I well, have Ryan low Johnson, expectations. Who knows what he's got up his sleeve? I have low expectations basically from the trailers. I don't think any of the trailers have really been that impactful. And well, hopefully they stuck to the original philosophy for the Force Awakens and kept very little actual stuff in it. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully. But The Force Awakens is really interesting watching the the arc of that film in audiences' reactions. It seems to be massively positive at the beginning with a couple of naysayers and then slowly it sort of trickled down a bit on the dip of the roller coaster, and maybe it's starting to get a little bit more appreciation now as being pretty solid just before this new movie and, and realising the, the, the gamble it could have been. I might rewatch it actually just before going. Is it next week? I think it is. It is, yeah. The Imagine end of that. next Friday, is it or something? Next Wednesday night, we're going, mate. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. You bet we are. <laughs> uh, I'm going to quickly add in they also do Paddington 2. We agree with Phil that to enjoy oh. Paddington 2, you have to buy into it from the word go. He didn't manage it. We did. However, we also agree that being the main character, it was odd that his voice was the one that felt least present in the soundscape. That's what I said, didn't I? Well, and I agree with you on that one. I think, sadly, Ben Whishaw is basically the weak point uh, in Paddington 2, but glad that you managed to enjoy it. I feel slightly justified then, yeah. (laughs) Is that a good feeling? Yeah, it is sometimes. All right. And Esther has got in touch as well. And she also says, I promised to write a few lines a while back on the movies I watched on my last plane journeys to America and back. Because there are lots, and I've thrown in a couple of others, I'm going to try and be brief and then give them a yes, no, slash maybe rating. Inevitably, it's going to get a bit long. This has happened a few times this week. We've got some really long emails from listeners. So we have to chop them up. Yeah, people are obviously stashing up their thoughts and then finally getting them across when they can. Just keep them coming, convey about it. You know, you think just little and often. Stream and conscious. 
anxious. Asking quite a lot of our listeners. But anyway, Esther, thank you for getting in touch. Gifted. Do you remember that film with Gifted. Chris Evans? <laughs> yeah. We did that joke, didn't oh, we? The same joke. Yeah, we've only got one joke. That's how it goes. <laughs> I yes. enjoyed it, yeah. So did I. I didn't want, I thought I was going to hate it and the opening is really atrocious, but it develops into something much more interesting by the end. We mm. basically think, right? She just says, no. <laughs> Predictable and a bit dull. Not that into precocious kids. Yeah, I think that's that's fair, but I it's think it's a fair reaction, yeah. It warms up a lot more. I think it, knowing that it it feels a bit better. I think it it mm, yeah. I I think if you don't like it fair enough. Yeah, I agree. I'm I think surprised by it. I cannot I'm not in the slightest bit surprised that someone would feel that way about the film. I did feel it had something more interesting to say towards the end when the custody dispute became central and it wasn't, you know, people directly opposed to each other because it, it was Chris Evans' own mother, was it not? Yeah, it was yeah. all that sort of thing. Tied and it was together. just interesting. Yeah, but anyway, there we go. Thank you very much, Esther. Fences, she says, maybe. I was really enjoying the performances, setting and concept of the film, but I stopped watching halfway through as something heartbreaking happened. And I now hate a certain actor as I find it hard to separate him from his character. And I couldn't take it. Not sure whether... Oh, not sure whether to finish it off. Have you seen it all? Oh, so that's a half thought right there. Maybe that's why it's a maybe. Uh, Fences is an interesting one. I, I reviewed it on the podcast a while back. I thought it was... I can imagine it being a very powerful play. I don't think it was a particularly powerful film. But do you think Esther should finish it off? Um, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there you go, Esther. Uh, next one, The Founder, which I haven't seen, you haven't seen. I've been wanting think. to see it for it ages. It wasn't on in any cinemas. It was really Slip weird. past us. This is uh, Michael Keaton t- telling the story behind McDonald's, isn't it? Being the guy who sort of made it happen. That's right. She he says, maybe it. I thought it was interesting, like a true story and fun, but very annoyingly we landed before I could finish. Okay, nice bit of hyping. We'll try and do that as well. And last one we'll do here, and then we will come back to the others later. Thank you, Esther, for all of these. Oh, no, I'm going to do one more as well. She says, Lion, No beginning yes. was good but once the kid grew up it just got predictable a bit dull and a little bit emotionally manipulative oh no that's the opposite of what i said i said we know the bit about we know he gets lost give us the second half interesting so you, dis- you said, agree start- with the verdict but not the reason yeah i think I, I the way i'd fix that movie is put dev patel right in there right from the beginning start with him that's the interesting part Whereas you thought the kid going, what was it, Salu or something? Saru, Saru. You said like he's cute and everything, but we need to get the. We get going. Come on, we know he gets lost. Get him lost. Yeah, she says. Don't understand why it got such a claim. So interesting that you both came to the same agreement there. Different uh, reasons why. Jackie, not watched on the flight. Yes, plus one to both of you. I loved this. It's really good performance from Natalie Portman. Amazing how her clothes added a great deal to the impact. For example, when she finally takes off the bloody dress and tights. Loved her tour of the White House and also looked up the footage after. So interesting. Yeah, good call. I really recommend that anyone who watches it does that. Um, and yeah, nice note on the clothes because she was a bit of a fashion icon, wasn't she? Jennifer? Oh yeah, style icon massively, yeah. And the f- it's just a great testament to how deft and detailed the filmmaking is there that they used all available resources to make it powerful. So glad you like that, Esther. Thank you. Really powerful film. Good stuff. We're getting loads of good stuff uh, this week, Phil. It's funny how We get good stuff sometimes. every week, Glory. Uh, James T has got in touch. Hi, guys. Finally caught up with the last four or five weeks of podcasts <laughs> and a couple of things. You asked for books which are worse than the films. Do you remember that film? Yes, I do. Or that make you think worse of the film. Uh, have you read the Jason Bourne books, question mark? I haven't. Have you? No, that, there's a, they're completely different, aren't they? They're well, very different. He says, I read them after watching The Bourne Identity and have to say, Tony Gilroy really improved on the premise of the books and made them very good. The books are so poor. Really amazing considering how good the films are. 
There you go. That's, That's kind of an the other interesting way the inverse of that. Yeah. It doesn't surprise me. They took the characters and dro- kind of dropped all the. There's a kind of arch villain or something that he's got a nemesis, uh, I think, who he keeps on trying to check, track down. And it's a bit more like uh, Jack Reacher, I think. Yeah, right. I can believe that. But they managed to make something more interesting out of it. Clever. Uh, was it Tony Gilroy? Should he get the credit? I thought, um, wasn't it Doug Lyman? Doug Lyman was the director of The Born Identity. Maybe Tony Gilroy is the writer or something? Oh, no, you are right, Phil. The reason I'm getting confused there is that, yeah, he's the guy who came in to allegedly save Rogue One and did a lot of the directing for that, didn't he? He did some of the, the patching up at the end, yeah. And then Paul Greengrass, I think, kind of managed to take it from that initial spurt into something very distinctive, which I think is still shaping how those sort of films are done. It's Im- unbelievable. Right. People want to recapture the magic. It's, it's crazy how much those films influenced Paul Greengrass films. always sounds like a name I want to sing. Uh, but I think it's a, it's a song that no one knows. It's by the drummer out of Radiohead. You know that one? No. It's called The Green Green Grass. I'm not going to sing it, don't worry. <laughs> it's a really nice line. Why, why, why won't anybody fly this plane? Whoa. Ring you know when you said, uh, when I sing, it's a bit awkward. <laughs> Uh, right back at you how very sad okay plus one to Laurie he carries on gladly for Paddington 2 I thought the first one was bang average but was pleasantly surprised with this one thought the plot was really good which considering Paddington really annoys me plus one Phil yeah. of, uh, was really quite good oh, I'm glad you liked the overall film and yeah same experience I thought the first one was I didn't really get the hype but seconds I just thought far superior. They really landed in terms of what they were doing. I thought the jokes were good. I thought the script wasn't twee in the wrong way. I know, Phil, you disagree with me, but yeah, there we go. Uh, On what you've been watching, some ideas. I really don't get the hype slash don't like the film Leon, The Professional from 1994. That's a Luke Besson Besson film with uh, Jean Reno, is it? What's his name again? Yeah, Jean Reno. That's right. I've actually done that on what we've been watching. Have you done, Leo? Yeah, I did, and I, I really liked it, but I can go back into it. If you've got your own ideas of why you didn't like it, then do get in touch with that. Well, he goes on to say, happy to be told I'm wrong. He doesn't give more info here, but yeah, uh, James T, please do tell us why you didn't like it. And he goes on to say, also Cosmopolis from 2012. That's Robert one Pattinson, of, isn't it? Is it? Yeah, I Robert seen, Pattinson. I, not even I think it's a David it. Cronenberg film. There we go. He says, one of the funniest films I've ever seen. It wasn't meant to be. It was just such a joke. It's something <laughs> about a guy getting a haircut in a limo. Like Seriously? genuinely, that's what it's about. It's based on a book, and I bought the book, and I thought it was interesting that Robert Pattinson was doing it because this was just after the Twilight stuff. Yeah, right. And it seems to be a very odd choice for him, but I never got around to actually. He watching likes it. the odd choice, that chap. Uh, okay, we'll we'll uh, look into both of those again. I've seen Leon, and Leon. I'm saying Leon because he's got I've, he, Leon. the way he's written it in front of Leon. He's put the accent on the Leon. E. I know. Uh, I admit, I thought it was sort of entrancing, but very, very odd. And it's not the kind of film that I ever wanted to watch again. I watched it sort it, of sits with yeah. you in a bizarre way, doesn't it? It's a bit uncomfortable in a lot of places for a lot of reasons. I think, and yeah. but I think it's meant to be, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's a it's an odd film. It's I think you don't forget it, and I think that may often is why films become successful i think you might be right there uh plus one to whichever of you reviewed and enjoyed circle not tom hanks's one that's you that's Phil. mine yep well done, really enjoyed the premise of this and considering it was a small budget thought it was great and thank you for not going to see any will smith films <laughs> not strictly true though because you did see collateral beauty oh that but that was awful i think you would enjoyed listening to that review if you haven't heard it that was just dreadful yeah look that one up james t do a search for that on i feel website. like that is the film where you see will smith at his weakest he says keep up the good work on this <laughs> you said before that johnny depp came to your mind 
lines of actors who are worse than Will Smith. But whilst maybe a fair point currently, at least Depp has actually done good films in his time. Keep up the good work. Bid love from your number one Will Smith hater, <laughs> James D. <laughs> the thing is, uh, James D, I, I do think Johnny Depp has done some good stuff. I think he's good in Donnie Brasco. I've, I thought he was pretty good as Sweeney Todd in some ways. I thought that film was better than a lot of people thought it was. I think his Jack Sparrow was really good and iconic and powerful. It made the a first huge one anyway. difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but the thing is, I feel the same way about Will Smith. I think his role in Men in Black was a big deal. Like, it really worked. It made that a going franchise. And you know who's going to be David Schwimmer? Was it really? How different that film would have been. Also, would have been if it wasn't Keanu Reeves, it would have been Will Smith in The Matrix. I know, that, I'm glad didn't happen, because I think Keanu Reeves was born to play that role. What? You was a robot? <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? I, maybe he would have been brilliant, you know. It could have been an interesting you know, career. Done I don't him. think it would have worked at all. Keanu Reeves, I think, suits that role in a bizarre sort of way. He's a guy who I, I really like. <laughs> yeah. I really like Keanu Reeves. Didn't you see, there was something, it was a nice sort of, it was like a canary in a coal mine or whatever the phrase is. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> what so. do you say? That's a phrase. Sting uses it in a song, doesn't he, I think? Oh, I wouldn't trust Sting. No, that's a good point. <laughs> Uh, but people have said in the wake of all the horrible scandals going on in Hollywood, there was a funny spoof article that went up on Twitter that I just scanned past and saw saying, uh, in a string of accusations, uh, multiple women have accused Keanu Reeves of uh, taking them on really lovely dates. <laughs> and there's a nice picture of him just smiling with a woman. I thought, isn't that lovely? And that is nice. You, you hope, I certainly hope that is the case. That's the awful thing with the stuff going on in Hollywood, isn't it? You just hope that you're not going to have your, your personal acting fave yeah. turn out to be a bit of a sleazebag well that's why you've got to hold on to the good stuff and the good actors there was an interesting roundtable discussion we're rambling again man well, it's a really rambly show today uh, of Tom Hanks and Gary Oldman and John Boyega and I think Sam Rockwell and maybe James mix. Franco yeah it was really strange I think it might have been The Hollywood Reporter or someone like that and they were discussing all kinds of things in Hollywood including the scandal so you know if you want a slightly different perspective I thought that was interesting well, get it from the actors themselves yeah and it was just different and it was it was handled in a different way Did, it didn't, you know, anyway, it's interesting. We said we don't talk about this stuff. Are you can tweet we? that link if you can find it. Uh, possibly I will do, yeah. Okay. Uh, but let's move on to the Pixel Bro, who had a couple more things, and then we'll do one more email and then we're out. Actually, we've got to check tweets as well. We've got so much oh, to get gosh. through. A uh, question mark to Laurie and Phil. This is from the Pixel Bro for Murder on the Orient Express. I want to give you minus ones, particularly Phil, as I really enjoyed this film. Oh, dare you. But I will need to give minus ones to myself as well for apparent inconsistency. Your points are valid. Kenneth Branagh is too handsome. <laughs> his musing to his photo is objectively weird. The ending <laughs> is ethically difficult and not exactly satisfying. But in context, despite loving David Suchet's Poirot, I love nearly everything about this film. I guess I agree with Laurie, but more so on what? I, I don't know what he's agreeing with me on yet. Uh, the whole thing is just so refreshing compared to so much of cinema at the moment. The central character cares about right and wrong and says they exist. The ending isn't as postmodern as the most moralistic of contemporary dramas. Poirot's MO isn't to wallow in the mess, but to bring clarity to chaos that he... Oh, he's put a spoiler here. Oh, we can't include... Can we include a spoiler? No. We no, can't do a spoiler with that. Sorry. But he makes some very good points about spoilerific thing. Uh, and then he says, even Johnny Depp couldn't spoil this one. Could this be Hollywood finally having something to say in the way that Blade Runner 2049 didn't, perhaps? Ooh, contentious opinion. This is an interpretation of a classic which adds something new rather than a tired remake. But perhaps that's because I haven't seen the original versions. Maybe this is how millennials feel about the new live-action Disney's question mark. Mm, disagree. Don't like the use of the word millennials there. I think that word only exists so that marketers can sell things and even they don't know what it means. 
Okay, putting the millennial stuff aside, yeah. I think I've been thinking about this one a lot because some people have criticised, including my fiance, has said that I have an issue with the story, not the film. But that's I true. Think, I think you do. No, I've been thinking about it more and more, and I think in a book form, the f- the story would work better. I think the film particularly highlights the issues I have with the story because of the nature of film. Everything you show in film is saying something and drawing your attention to things in a different sort of way than in a book. And so therefore, the whole way it unravels, it changes because it is a film. That's my opinion. Okay, I sort of followed that, I admit, but I'm thinking about what I'm about to say next, which is, <laughs> I'm so sorry, Phil. Normally, I'm better than that. Thanks, man. I, I really apologise. That was very poor going. It's just because it's getting late. Uh, on the Johnny Depp thing, we didn't even mention Johnny Depp in Murder on the Orient Express. And I think He's a lot of so people did. to the side. He is. He plays essentially I mean, an important character, but not really a main character. But I thought he was fine, you know. He faded, which is actually quite a difficult thing for Johnny Depp to do right now. Well, so in some ways, yeah, in some ways it was a good performance. And it was sort of like the matured, cynical, gone on the wrong side of the tracks version of his character in Johnny Brasco. He can do that kind of thing really well. Like you forget that Johnny Depp came from 21 Jump Street, right? Like he's, yeah. he's done so many things and he can be really good. I thought he was fine in this. Yeah. Mm. Plus one, plus one, plus one to fill for these three epithets that I'm still laughing about. <laughs> you don't actually get plus ones for these. <laughs> All right, fine, it. just move on. He says, make it into a mustard, referring to the sauce, Colonel Mustard. Haha. <laughs> Do you remember that? Yep. <laughs> uh, I remember that. That was good. I can't remember the context properly, though. And then what you said to me in a very mean way, is that what you're going as for Halloween? An idiot? <laughs> Are you pleased with yourself? Yeah, I was pleased with that. And this is this is a really good one that when I listened to the podcast, I was annoyed about because I sort of missed it or didn't give you enough credit because this was good and I laughed about it when I heard it back. So all credit to you, Phil. Uh, I do have my reservations, not on the train, about the film. <laughs> that was good. I was pleased with that one. Yeah, you didn't give me any credit. I for didn't that mean one. to not give you credit. So well done. And he says you're on fire, Phil. I wrote them down and everything. Oh, that's kind. Wow. Thank you, Pixel How about that. Uh, I've now seen several films on your collective recommendation. Feel inspired to try far more of them in general than pre-bros. Imagine that. I can also cope with a new name if that's necessary. And people have problems with abbreviations from brother folklore. Crikey, I don't even know what that means. Because I'm reading this and saying it at the same time. Sometimes it takes my mind a bit to catch up. Uh, But there we go. You will remain the bros in my heart. Love the Pixel Bro. Thank you so much for getting in touch, (laughs) Pixel Bro. infuriating I, you, I don't think anyone noticed it until I you said it I genuinely can't stop saying it uh, I have to include this email from Confucius Phil because it's important go Phil go dear Super Baby Bros wow I honestly don't remember the paintings and nails scene in the legend of 1900 and listeners it's because Confucius was the one to greatly recommend the film to me uh, and I, I didn't like it as much as he sadly you got unlucky and watched the extended director's cut don't know if the cinematic version would change your mind and your grade perhaps can't possibly say, Confucius. I, I admit, I'm not sure it would because I've already seen the director's cut. But maybe mm. there's still chance for me. So maybe I'll see if I can Well, exactly, down. yeah. After hearing your disagreements with Phil over the last two episodes, is directed at me, I am more convinced now that my personal film taste is more aligned with Phil's or his to mine, whichever angle you want to look at. That's and like the ultimate plus one, is it not? It's the ultimate knife to the heart, <laughs> certainly. And based on that logic, I think Phil might actually like The Legend of 1900 the way that I did. I will check it out. And uh, yeah, I'm saying this. I don't know when I'm going to check it out, but at some point I do have the intention to. Well said, Phil. Speaking like it's a like true... politician. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. What a flake. 
Don't settle for that, Confucius. Phil, I feel your pain. Plus one to you and minus one to Laurie if possible for your view on Paddington Bear. Ooh. British listeners, please don't hate me for saying, I wonder if growing up with Paddington in your childhood contributed to the crazy love towards him, his stories, and now the films. Having had no prior knowledge of such a talking bear before moving to England, I certainly don't have the emotional attachment to the character. And perhaps because of that, I can watch the Paddington films objectively. Probably the same way Laurie's absence of love for My Neighbour Totoro is, even though you are a Studio Ghibli fan. That's right, that's going back to a long way back. Yeah, yeah. I'm not such a fan of Neighbour Totoro, no. He carries on. I'm up for a rap version of the email song. Go, Phil, just do it. Just play the one I've already done. (laughs) But that was that for emails? That was kind of an old school hip Scott. Hip Scott. What have we? Oh, yeah, that was it. This week. I I listened to that as well. I'll play that again. (laughs) That was a good jingle. Uh, He finishes off with an interesting comment on films being blocked in certain territories, which I don't really know anything about but we might come back to that at a later date so thanks for that note Confucius uh, and thank you very much for sending us uh, that email and being such a faithful fan really appreciate it okay should I do some tweets and then we gotta go yeah we're late aren't we uh, we're always late it keeps on going there are only very few so we're, we're in luck Phil Esther actually tweeted as well to say absolutely for Betty Bros when I hear fireworks at any time of the year I think where are they please let me see them <laughs> what a happy thought <laughs> Unfortunately, due to that delay between seeing and hearing fireworks, I usually miss out. Yeah, it's a good point. Once the bangs happened, <laughs> you sort of miss the fireworks. Yeah. to see the remains. Yeah. Well, what I love it. This is the firework test that won't make sense to many listeners. I hope that was actually an interesting test. I think I the, thought it was very interesting. Test yourself, listeners. The question is: It's two weeks after fireworks night, and you hear fireworks going off. Uh, what is your instant emotional reaction or imagination reaction? Uh, to that moment I was saying that I immediately get slightly frustrated like oh come on guys it was two weeks ago you know time it's, it's over and you I, yours think again? I think that it's, it's unsavoury sort to you keep fireworks you get nervous because it's yobbos or something most people blow through their firework stash very quickly these guys have held on they've to held it on to they've it. conspired to do mm. something so illicit there's a full spectrum of emotions right there so see how you react uh, and see what it says about you and then just the final thing Alistair says at Super Betty Bros and this is this is kind of an interesting tweet to me Phil OMG have you guys seen the new Avengers trailer question mark it's freaking awesome for exclamation marks <laughs> I have seen it I'm excited I yeah. genuinely I'm so excited for that film by comparison to Justice League I think it is funny because well, you had the Batman versus Superman and then you had Civil War, which had very similar sort of elements to them. It was two heroes fighting each other and kind of conflicting ideologies and everything like that. And Civil War was so much better than Batman versus Superman. And here we have again uh, a purple big alien thing trying to unite various MacGuffins to try and take on the world and they all need to team up to defeat him and that applies for both films Justice League and Avengers Infinity War the difference with the Justice League is that we were getting an introduction to the characters and the focus had to be on the team this one the team is kind of an irrelevance and all it's just a big fight I when I saw that trailer I admit Alistair all I thought was Big fight, big fight, big fight, big fight, joke, big fight, big fight, crossover, extended universe. That's exactly my (laughs) reaction. And that's why I feel like your opinion on Justice League is invalid. I know you've said that many times. I know. You know I, I still listened feel to those reviews a few times, and what you did constantly was tell me what I thought. You should because listen back. I feel like you were you needed to be called out for what you are, the charlatan you are. You were trying to tell me what I think, and you were wrong. You don't know. I'm telling you what I think. I know better than you do, my friend. <laughs> well, whatevs. Right. Whatevs. I'm excited for that film. I'm joining you, Alistair, in that enjoyment of that trailer. 
There we go. A marathon run of emails and tweets this week, listeners. Keep yours coming in to superbellybros at gmail.com, at superbellybros on Twitter. We love getting them. It makes us feel like it's worth doing. Yes, it really is great. So thanks very much. A long show today. How did that happen? Because we kept on talking about tangents and things. We did and go into a lot rambly, of Rambly, rambly rambles. Tangentializing to the max. I'm slightly worried we're indulging ourselves at this point. So uh, maybe we uh, need to just kind of nip this in the bud. We're getting old and tired. Mm. So episode 100 maybe is a point to refresh and renew, is it? Recommit to the principles of being brief and witty. Which were essentially, what was my principle to you? No one cares who we are. I seem to remember that <laughs> being a <laughs> That was such a strong principle. <laughs> it was. It works though, doesn't it? It's true. Oh, so there we go. Anyway, hope you enjoyed that show, listeners. Get in touch with your thoughts on Wonder, on The Man Who Invented Christmas, on The Mask of Zorro. Phil's waiting for your plus or minus one. I lay down the gauntlet. You did. The uh, the Zorro gauntlet. Uh, challenge you to a fight. Really, it's like kind of a leather glove, isn't it? Rather than it a, should be, a gauntlet. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and then also, what was it? Nativity exclamation mark. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> got it. Uh, and of course, anything that uh, came up in email tweets, any suggestions you've got for our 100th show, anything at all, just get in touch. We'd love to hear from you. But other than that, we'll see you next week when I'll definitely be doing the disaster artist. And isn't it a 100th episode next week? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. So let's put a pause on that. Maybe we'll just do big Star Wars y things, or is it not going to be out no, no, there? No, no. No, Star um, Wars is going to sp- come afterwards, isn't it? Yeah, we could do a special. Uh, Why don't get... we get to 100 and then the next week we'll do the big special? Or we could do our Star Wars special the same week because it's coming out on a Thursday. So, anyway, it doesn't matter. We can Ooh, come on to that later. Oh, it's so tense, this is. Who knows what is around the corner? I have a great week and we'll look forward to speaking to you then. Uh, bye bye for now. Bye bye. Bonus time. You got one, Phil? Yes, I have. I was thinking about it because we were, I was trying to describe some sort of thing collapsing to a friend. And suddenly I, suddenly I mentioned those one of those toys, you know, the weird sort of donkey thing where you push the thumb into the bottom. Oh, yeah, and, yeah, and they just, sort of collapse. It's really weird. That it's toy. like their bones have like, melted. Like, who, who came up with that as a toy? <laughs> like, oh, kids will love this. Just push it down. It just falls over. Watch the donkey like, decompose. What's that? <laughs> Why is that a thing? What's it for? I feel like... What's the fun in it? It's such a classic toy. There must have been something quite specific maybe it's because you could poke it and it would move like uh, Je- jellyish and it had segmented limbs kind of but it's it? such a weird thing like just press it down and that is over strange. it goes and i just thought who is designing these toys who thought that was a good idea and how has it lasted the test of time as well that was my little tidbit that's it that's your bonus literally just that what on earth is that that's sure and interesting yeah no i'm on your i'm on <laughs> your you. side there phil i don't know what to say really I mean, the only toy I can think of that I really don't understand, and you can tell I'm really reaching because I went, the only toy I'm really high, is uh, when you go to hospitals and things, they've got those nailed down like, wire traps. <laughs> the weird, like, and all you can do moving is the wood blocks. Push them, yeah, push the wood. <laughs> there are, what's funny about those is I think even to this day, they promise more than they deliver. <laughs> you always. still think you're going to be able to do something I'm going to be it. able to do something here to find some fun. <laughs> some sort of game. <laughs> it's weird the way that it lures you in. And yet, there must be the colours or the shapes or something. But inevitably, what you do is you do it one side to the other, and then you spin it. <laughs> and then you move it to the middle, and you spin it. Or on a little corner. And then and- you sort of... Hold it at the end and let them drop. Yeah, a little exactly. Bit. You do all the full range of things, and then that's game over. You maybe just... they're designed to just sort of amuse young children and, and maybe some I've, dumb I adults feel like, like what us. It actually, communicates more than anything else is the futility and inevitability of all life. Because <laughs> you, you think you're going to be able to find a new angle on this thing, but eventually it is exactly what it is. And there's, you know, just wood on a stick. <laughs> what a sad business. There we go. Well, that ended up being quite depressing. Well, that's your fault. Sorry. I don't know. This is bad, isn't it? Is this bad? <laughs> yeah, it's bad. You mean Charles Dickens' characters come to life? Who did you I said say? Scrooge's character. Oh, come hold on. To life.
Ja, det är mycket det jag har vill veta. 